it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You didn't need to stop. I, I was like, love it. If you, I was just saying thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the spirit of presence, presence of peace and grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Well, good. Amen. I think we could use some word. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Cool. We had some uh, people sick this week. Um, Eve is here in in the house, um, and it, we're so glad you're here, Eve. And um, Hank, I guess, is not feeling well this morning, uh, which so we didn't have a sound person. But Katie, thankfully, knows how to work the soundboard, and and, and I know a little bit how to dabble in it some, and. Um, and then Whitney was sick this week as well, but Whitney's here now, feeling better and, and doing good. So sometimes it's okay to just come as a musician and rest. How about that? How about just come to church and rest in the love of God and rest in, um, in the presence? And we just appreciate Katie for, for holding it together this morning. Yeah. Um, Katie and oh I'm getting there I'm getting to the drums I'm getting see you can tell a drummer in the house and Valerie see Valerie's a drummer she's like what about the drummer yeah and I I got you I got the drummer um but so thankful and then for Shara and Sarah thank you guys for coming and and for Heidi Heidi's voice was like celestial or something this morning like I don't know what was going on mm. Hallelujah. Thank you. Are we recording this this morning, Jess, by chance? Oh, well, thank you so much. And Jessica, thank you for being here. I just so appreciate everybody from the... <laughs> just so grateful. So grateful. So thankful to be in the house. Um just grateful. I have some things that I want to get and impart to you this morning and things that I believe will be a blessing to you as you go and continue through Advent and through this holiday season for all of our, our Jewish friends, just a happy Hanukkah to, to you um, and this festival of lights, this time of dedication of lighting lights and solidarity. We stand with our Jewish siblings and are just so grateful that we have a community of diversity and inclusion, hallelujah, and understanding, and we speak peace and life and peace and life in the Middle East, peace and life to our own hearts and to our own understandings and how we make sense of the world. We speak peace. We speak peace. Would you say that with me? We speak peace. We speak peace to the things we do not understand, the things that are still, you know, on this side, of that realm, we don't always know why. But soon and very soon it will be clear. It will become clear to us, um, and it will. we will understand why. They, they used to sing the old song, we'll understand it better by and by. <laughs> we'll understand it better by and by. Um, Joy, anybody want to know? Where's Robin Brewer when you need her? 
in the house. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you today the subject of peace. Um, it is the second week of Advent, and, and peace is the topic for this week. Um, we go in four major th- themes over the four Sundays of Advent, and um, last week was hope. And together, you know, if you were here in the house last week, we preached together, didn't we? We all did it together. We created the fabric together, and all of us added our unique thread to that garment, and it was beautiful. When it was all said and done, we had a beautiful thing to leave with um, spiritually last week, and I appreciated that. It was a special moment, and and it gave me a lot of hope. This week we have peace, and playing on these words, um, peace is present. Peace is present. Um, The idea here is that peace is found in the present and that peace is only present. In the present tense. I, I want to uh, minister to you uh, around two characters in these very uh, familiar Advent stories. I want to speak to you about Mary and Joseph today, these two figures, these characters, and how we might be able to access peace in the present as we pay attention. Um, A lot of this, um, Heidi alluded to it in the lyrics earlier of a song about there being um, an eye of wonder, like looking through a lens of wonder and of awe. Um, And that is something that we hear a lot about uh, in this time of year. Um, There is a spiritual practice of awe. The other day I was was conducting a memorial service uh, for my friend's father and was sitting was standing, speaking to some people afterward, one of which was a a former immunologist, um, PhD from the State University of Arizona. And this woman is now 82 and is very soft-spoken. She speaks in poetry. Um, she, her brother was the one who had passed, and she got up to speak and, and give him honor and celebrate his life, and she did so very um, eloquently and elegantly through the weaving together of three beautiful poems and got her point right across with just the poetry. It was lovely. It made one stand in awe and wonder at how she did that without adding any of her own words. We spoke afterward, and I said, I'm just fascinated with your work. Thank you for all that you've given to the field, the things that you brought to this day and this this, uh, hour. And she said, you know, my life has been strung together with a series of beautiful moments. She said, being a scientist, people think that I don't have an appetite for wonder. But it's the only thing that kept me a scientist was being in awe and wonder at the discoveries that we made and that we continue to make. I said, well, I am a firm believer that that religion and science are not mutually exclusive. And she was awash with wonder, loving that moment, loving that statement. That, of course, they were never supposed to be 
separate. But that, again, what religion tries to do, religion tries to separate and separates out all the good stuff, sadly. Awesome video this morning, Bob, by the way. <laughs> um, the writer and liturgist Cole Arthur Riley, if you don't know her work, you should look it up. She wrote a book recently called This Here Flesh, um, describes awe as a spiritual practice. She writes, I think awe is an exercise, both a doing and a being. It is a spiritual muscle of our humanity that we can only keep from atrophying if it is exercised habitually. I sit in the clearing behind my home listening to the song of the barn swallows mix with the sound of cars speeding by. I watch the milk current through my tea and the little leaves dance free from their pouch. I linger in the mirror and I don't look away. I trace the shadows hugging my lips, and I don't look away. Awe is not a lens through which we see the world, but our sole path to seeing anything. Any other lens is not a lens, but a veil. And I've come to believe that our beholding, seeing the veils of this world peeled back again and again, if only for a moment, is no small form of salvation. When I speak of wonder, I mean the practice of beholding the beautiful, beholding the majestic, the snow-capped Himalayas, the sun setting on the sea, but also the perfectly mundane, the soap bubble reflecting in your kitchen and the oxidized underbelly of that stainless steel pan. More than the grand beauties of our lives, wonder is about having the presence to pay Wonder is about having the presence to pay attention to the common. It could be said that to find beauty in the ordinary is a deeper exercise than climbing to the mountaintop. To encounter the holy in the ordinary takes practice. Wonder includes the capacity to be in awe of humanity, even your own. It allows us to jettison the dangerous belief that things worthy of wonder can only be located on nature hikes and scenic overlooks. Only at Glacier National Park, for example. But this can distract us from the beauty flowing through us daily. For every second that our organ and bone, organs and bones sustain us is a miracle. When those bones heal, when our wounds scab over, and they will scab over, this is our call to marvel at our bodies, their regeneration, their stability, or frailty. In sacred awe, we become part of the story. And that's what I want to dig into is this story that we are so familiar with about the incarnation of the word and of this word being made flesh and the way in which we tell these stories. I love the phrase uh, that we are telling and sharing with our children in this house church children's ministry, that all stories in the Bible are true and some of them actually happened.
There is something to be gleaned from every story and every tradition that we have. And these traditions of our own have within them a place for us to rest a place for us to find our peace. I want to give you some tips and clues for assessing and accessing peace over the holidays. We have two characters. Um, we have more than that in, in all of these stories strung together from Matthew, for first parts of Matthew, first parts of uh, Luke. If you notice in the first part of Mark, we don't get a birth story. We don't get the birth of our Lord Jesus in the, in the first part of Mark. It's simply he comes out on the grand stage and is getting baptized by Cousin John. You know, they, they didn't even need a birth story from, from Mark's perspective. It's like, forget all of that. Let's just get to the good stuff. Let's, let's talk about the miracles and how he's the son of God. And then in John, you also don't get a birth story. First part of John, remember that. So the first chapter of John, you just get, in the beginning was the word. You know, John gets real mystical about it all and is like, forget about his humanity. We just want to be the word. Well, the word is made flesh, yes, but we don't need to know the genealogy as Matthew thought was so important. And in Luke, we don't need to know where the shepherds were and the angels and so forth, which I think add a lot of color and perhaps have some meaning tucked inside of all of that. I want to talk about the two characters that I found interesting um, this week, and that is Joseph. And, and that of Mary, both whom exhibit attributes that we can glean from today that will help us to access the miracle of peace. Number one, during this Advent season, I would encourage you, don't be afraid to think. What I mean by that is, don't be afraid to be with yourself during these days of long nights and shorter light. One of the critical parts of the human is that that is being stolen for us, from us during the increase of the use of our phones is simply the exercise of imagination. Having our phones at our fingertips all of the time short circuits or bypasses our ability to critically think or create solutions because we continually go to the phone to find the answer. And so it's kind of like, remember when you used to know everybody's phone number that you knew, and now you're lucky if you know your spouse's, and it's the only one you know. Well, it's because that part of our memory is no longer being exercised because the phone does it for us. Well, think about that times exponentially. How many things is the phone doing for us that our brains no longer have to do? And these can be good things. It's so good to have our phone around and have access to that information. But what it's doing is it's taking away our ability to consider process and to consider steps, creative solutions, because we think there's got to be a right answer. And so we are not using the muscle of our imagination the way in which we once did. And so I want to invite us during this Advent season to not be afraid to think, to really sit and think. Made a fascinating discovery that the word translated as dream uh, is used six times in all of the New Testament, and they're all in Matthew. Um, interestingly, in Matthew, the way that the divine or angels or God speaks to people is when they're asleep. In the first couple of chapters of Matthew, it's used about five times. It will say something like, when Joseph was asleep and was dreaming, 
the angel of the Lord said unto him. Joseph was not petitioning God for direction or insight. Joseph simply went to sleep. Another place, um, it says that he was sitting there thinking. You can find this in the first couple of chapters of of, uh, Matthew if you're interested. But Joseph was sitting thinking about the things that were happening, and the angel of the Lord said, the angel of the Lord spoke as the man was sitting there thinking. I want to encourage you and invite you to allow yourself to have some moments during this holiday season where you simply sit and think. The, uh, it's interesting. Joseph is reassured by an angel as he's sitting there thinking. The wise men, okay, that came to see Jesus from the east, they were warned not to go back the way that they came to avoid Herod's wrath and avoid the anger. As they were sleeping, they heard in a dream. They found direction when they were asleep. Interesting, right? (laughs) Joseph was directed in a dream to take the young child and his mother to Egypt to escape the anger of Herod. He was then directed two more times by God in a dream about where to go and, and how to save the child's life. I want to invite you to do another thing during this holiday season. I want to invite you to sleep. I want to invite you to really sleep, to go to sleep and deeply sleep in peace. One of the ways that you can do that as peace is in the present is to not rehash the things of the past and not worry about the things of tomorrow. For peace is found in the present. The way that I believe that the angel, the divine God was speaking to the people who were both thinking and sleeping is because when you are thinking about this thing right in front of you, you are present to the moment. When you are sleeping, you are nowhere but sleeping. You're present It's a gateway to peace. It's a gateway to pause and to presence. So I invite you in this holiday season, take your rest. Make sure that you are doing the things that you know you need to do to get the right amount of sleep. I have never met a person (laughs) on the stage of life who was adequately rested, who was not in a joyful mood, adequately rested, Joyful, creative, easy to get along with, happy, you know, willing to take risk. But I've met a lot of exhausted people who are grumpier than heck. You can't get near them, right? I mean, you're exhausted. You don't have a capacity to hear a new idea. You don't have a capacity to create a new thing. You're just barely holding on. Am I speaking to somebody? It's like I just got to get through this day. You know, when you're getting up out of bed and all you can think about is 5.15 when you can come back to it, right? And by the time you get to that point, you don't want to go to bed at that point. You're like, well, we can stay up a little bit longer by that time. But when you're thinking about it in the morning, you know we're not getting enough sleep and rest. I've made it a habit over the last couple of days to sleep a little bit differently in that I'm going to bed thinking about how the angels spoke to Joseph. Then I got to thinking, how many other times in our scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, 
did God speak to people while they were asleep? I mean, think about it. Think about what God created in the man Adam when Adam went to sleep. Think about what happened to Joseph when he went to sleep. What about the ladder? What about the wrestling with the angel? What about Abraham going to sleep and God strikes a covenant with him? Think about all these ways in which, and what about Daniel and, and dreams and visions? The, our scriptures are just full of times when the divine is speaking to people while they're thinking or sleeping. So, go to bed. I invite you to go to sleep, but go there with an expectation that the Lord will speak to you. You know, he wasn't looking for direction about how to keep his young child and wife safe when he went to sleep that night. He was probably thinking about it in the daytime, but he wasn't expecting that the divine would direct him in his night's sleep. How many in here today are needing divine direction from God about decisions that you need to make? The scripture says that in, when I'm on my bed in the midnight hour, on the midnight watches, my spirit speaks to me. You can look that up using your phone that I told you not to use. You can look, look that up later. You look, look it up. Um, about the, your spirit will speak to you when, you when you lie down. In the midnight hour, your heart will give you counsel. So think about that when you go to sleep. Instead of being afraid or night terrors, which I believe in this house come to an end. Night terrors, I always have an anointing over night terrors in Jesus' name. That you will go to sleep and your sleep will be sweet. You are the beloved of the Lord and the Lord and the angels encamp around you. And I have always for years spoken over night terrors that they would be done. And what tormented you would torment you no longer in Jesus' name. Um, and good therapy and medicine and hallelujah and all the other things. I always have to give that disclaimer in these days, in this day and age. Number two, so Joseph thought and he slept and he was directed by God. Number two, I want to think about Mary, the mother of the miracle moment. The mother of the miracle, the mother of the moment, the mother that got to be used like no other woman has been used. Uh, gifted as a vessel. Oh man, but we had that, there's a lot there we could say. In Luke 2, um, I want to talk about how Mary considered the miraculous and considered the things around her and what we might learn from her as she um, played a special role in this stage. Uh, a reading from Luke 2, verse 1, out of the voice uh, version. Around the time of Elizabeth's amazing pregnancy and John's birth, the emperor in Rome, Caesar Augustus, required everyone in the Roman Empire to participate in a massive census. The first census since Quirinius had become governor in Syria. Each person had to go to his or her ancestral city to be counted. Mary's fiancé, Joseph, from Nazareth in Galilee, had to participate in the census in the same way everyone else did. Because he was a descendant of King David, his ancestral city was Bethlehem, David's birthplace. Mary, who was now late in her pregnancy, that the messenger... Mary, who was now late in her pregnancy, that the messenger Gabriel had predicted, accompanied Joseph. 
While in Bethlehem, she went into labor and gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped the baby in a blanket and laid him in a feeding trough because the inn had no room for them. Nearby in the fields outside of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds were guarding their flocks from predators in the darkness of night. Suddenly, a messenger of the Lord stood in front of them, and the darkness was replaced by a glorious light, the shining light of God's glory. They were in awe. The messenger said, don't be afraid. Listen, I bring good news, news of great joy, news that will affect all people everywhere. Today in the city of David, a liberator has been born for you. He is the promised anointed one, the supreme authority. You will know you have found him when you see a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a feeding trough. At that moment, the first heavenly messenger was joined by thousands of other messengers, thousands of other angels, a vast heavenly choir, and they praised God. To the highest heights of the universe, glory to God. And on earth, peace among all people who bring pleasure to God. As soon as the heavenly messengers disappeared into heaven, the shepherds were buzzing with conversation. They were saying, let's rush down to Bethlehem right now. Let's see what's happening. Let's experience what the Lord has told us about. So they ran into town, and eventually they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the feeding trough. After they saw the baby, they spread the story of what had been, that had, they had experienced and what had been said to them about this child. Everyone who heard their story couldn't stop thinking about its meaning. And Mary pondered all of these events, treasuring each memory in her heart. Another uh, version says, Mary kept all these things inside herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. Then the shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turns out exactly as they had been told. To me, I see two different ways of responding to things that we don't quite know how to make sense of. I see one group gets really excited right away. They start buzzing. And I see a Mary who sits quietly and holds these things in her heart and contemplates them and ponders them. I invite you this Advent season to hold these moments and things that you don't understand, to hold them close and deep inside of your heart. To me, it's like one group started taking selfies and checking in and posting, and they were like all abuzz to be about what had happened and what they had seen and how. And Mary takes a step back. I invite you this holiday season to have something left on December 26th. I invite you this holiday season, as Jesus said to us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in the heart or in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I invite you this Advent season to treasure up moments that others are busy taking selfies and taking pictures and posting and checking in and and you're busy wrapping and you've got more gifts than you did last year and maybe we don't have enough as, as we need. I invite you to store up for yourselves treasures that will not be put away and unwrapped and put in the recycling bin on December 26th but treasures that you can find and ponder and consult with in your heart. I invite you to take moments of your life and invest in them. To treasure something up, to, it's like, it's to lay aside, it's to accumulate. Another word for it is to collect. I invite you to collect the hours, the minutes, the moments of your day and be like that scientist at the end of her life who said, I have had some very beautiful moments. I had another mentor of mine who said, you know how you have a really great life? You have a string of really great years. And the way that you have really great years is they're put together by really wonderful months. And the way in which you have beautiful months is you have really good weeks. And the way that you have really wonderfully good weeks is you have really good days. Come on, somebody. And the way that you have really good days is you have really good hours that reduce to moments, that reduce to minutes, that we can never get back. But we can store them and we can collect them in our hearts. We can't buy them. We can't give them. We we can only live right there in the present, in the moment. And that is where peace is. Another word for ponder, as Mary did, as Mary kept all of these miraculous, remarkable things, as she kept them in her heart, where everybody else is taking selfies, she's just holding back, just taking it all in. It means to have a relationship with. Isn't that fascinating to have a relationship with the moment? Not outsourcing it to the phone or to somebody else or being too quick to share about it, but to collect it and then to be in relationship with it, to consult with it. To access peace during the holidays, you will need to be a combination of both Mary and Joseph. You will need to think. You will need to sleep. You will need to collect the minutes in your heart for December 26th when maybe the bills are a little higher, the clutter is a little bigger, the wrapping paper is everywhere, the kids like the thing you didn't spend any money on. Things are put aside and put away I hope that this house becomes like Mary and Joseph with the miracle and the miraculous and the moment that you hold it in your heart, that you ponder it. For peace is not found in the future and peace is not found in resentment or ruminating over the past, but peace is found right here in the present And the fastest way to get present, as we have been talking about in this house for months, is what? 
is gratitude. You can get yourself from worrying about it, ruminating over it, if you can get yourself to be thankful for it right here, and then go to sleep. Amen and amen. A few tips for how to access peace during this holiday season, looking at the characters of the story and Mary and Joseph specifically. We have so many things to glean from, and I think this lens of awe and wonder um, can allow us to insert ourselves into the story. And as someone so beautifully said last week, it is not only the Christ child who is born, but it is us who is born again and again and again and again and again in these identities that we have. As the phone starts playing piano music, um, and as we continue, um, and I think it's the same playlist, Jess, as what I had playing right before service, if that would be cool. I love you guys online. Everybody say I love y'all online. Have a good day. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? I would invite you, um, I want to make the Advent stations open to you um, during this time of interactive worship. So the worry stones are over on that, that table over there if you would like to drop a worry stone into the water. I think one of the coolest parts of Advent that night um, was being in silence here in this space and you'd hear the clanking of the rock hitting the sides of the, of the vase and it was kind of like an angel got their wings kind of a thing.